Blog Talk Radio. Beyond the Veil, Revelations Beyond the Veil, this is Augusto Perez and Shalom. Today we're going to continue on another um, episode, another uh, teaching, another chapter, however you want to call it, in this uh, very, very interesting uh, series that we are doing. Today I want to talk about something that um, due to the the times that we are in and the season that we are in, Christmas season, where a lot of people celebrate this season, focusing on the, the gifts and the, and Santa Claus and the Christmas trees and shopping and this and that, I I I focus on the birth of our Messiah. I think this is the real meaning of Christmas, and I know all about its pagan origins. I know all about it. I have studied it, researched it, and taught it. We should be careful not to throw altogether the baby out with the bathwater, as I have said before, and we need to understand that there is a, 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 a reason for this, which is to celebrate the birth of our Messiah. And... Uh, <clears throat> And the one interesting thing about the birth of our Messiah that I'm going to be focusing in today has to do with the the prophecy, if you will, of um, Balaam. The prophecy of Balaam, and uh, and then we'll go on and talk about other things because I'm going to be I'm going to be sharing some things here today, people that probably you have never heard before. You probably have never heard before, and I have been doing uh, some uh, research, some reading, some praying about a lot of things, and um, I know you guys out there do not have the time to dedicate to doing these kinds of things, which is why I am I am doing it and sharing it with you, and um, many of you are not familiar with the prophecy of Balaam concerning the coming of Messiah is found in Numbers chapter 24 verse 17 I see him but not now I behold him but not nigh there shall come forth a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel and shall smite through the corners of Moab and break down all the sons of tumult now, very little is known about this prophecy. It's used, it's been used and quoted before, but very little is known about it. And not much teaching is done on it, but it has to do with the coming of Messiah and then some. Okay? <coughs> and... Um, we're going to be talking this next few weeks, not you know, during the season of Christmas, and maybe a short time after that. We're going to be talking about prophecy. We're going to be talking about Mary, Mary's past. Very little is known about Mary's past. Very little or nothing. Really, the Bible doesn't say anything about 
Mary's, the mother of Jesus, past, or Joseph. Nothing is known about Joseph's past. No, nothing is known about their marriage, how, they, how that happened. Nothing is known about Jesus' childhood years, with the exception of the time that uh, Mary and Joseph found him in the temple, what, 12 years old. Nothing is known of his infancy, and then we see this uh, small um, mention when he was 12 years old, and then the next time we hear about it is he's grown up. And so there's a lot of empty, ga empty gaps. There's a lot of gaps in the Word of God <clears throat> that uh, I, have always, I have always wondered about it. You know, I, I, I don't understand how anybody that loves Jesus Christ, that loves our Messiah, that is in love with him, I don't understand how they don't want to know more about these things. I don't understand how they cannot be more inquisitive about these things because I want to know everything there is to know about him because I love him. And when you love someone and you, and, and you, and you really uh, care about, uh, you know, a lot of these things, you want to find out everything you can about it. His, the, the past, you know, uh, Mary's past, Joseph's past, what happened when he was a child, all of these things. And so <clears throat> a lot of these things, <clears throat> uh, me thinks that they are uh, stashed away there in the Vatican, and uh, they don't want anybody to, to see it. And then... Uh, for, for, for different kinds of reasons. But the Lord, in his wisdom, has brought forth a lot of these truths through the Qumran Caves discovery, the Dead Sea Scrolls. When that happened, I believe it was in 47, 48, when that happened, uh, a lot of these texts began to uh, be uh, inspected, began to be uh, read, began to be translated, and now they are becoming available to a lot of uh, us who are really interested in these kinds of things. And uh, <clears throat> many people say, no, I don't believe in that, Augusto, because it's corrupted and uh, it's not in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Well, let me tell you something. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these findings, a lot of these uh, notes, a lot of these records, a lot of these writings were uh, read and they were, uh, uh, if you will, considered uh, very, very uh, truthful by the early church fathers. Men like uh, Jerome, the works of Jerome. Uh, you know, a lot of these things appear in the works of Jerome. He was a, um, an early church father around the fourth century. Or so, and then there were others. A man called Epiphanius, the bishop of Salamis, and, and then you have Eusebius uh, of Caesarea. And uh, again, uh, there's a lot of these writings that um, you know uh, are are not in the Word of God, but neither is the Book of Enoch, neither is the Book of Jasher, and, and many other books. Um, so I have taught on this before, so I'm not going to rehash an old thing again, okay? You go on back and listen to some of our previous teachings on Beyond the Veil, Revelations Beyond the Veil, and you will f see what I'm saying. But uh, what I'm trying to tell you is that, um, that these writings, okay, they, uh, and they were even called the gospel, the gospel of the birth of Mary. And um, many of these things were received as genuine and authentic by many of the early Christian sects. And it is found in the works of Jerome, like I said before, the father of the church. And um, some of these other contemporaries I mentioned. So, So anyway, I'm going to share some of these things with you 
I'm writing also a newsletter, and I have some other um, things there, the details. I'm, I'm just going to go over quickly some of those things that are already included in the newsletter. I'll be sending that out soon, this week, shortly. And, um, and then I'll keep on going. But um, there, are, there are things here that I need to share with you. You know, who, who were these Magi? Who were these wise men of the East? Where did they come from? And all these things. How come, how come they saw the star and nobody else did? Well, according to some of these ancient writings, there was uh, King Persbur. He existed, he ruled during the days of Augustus Caesar over the Roman Empire. Now, in his days, this is when our Savior was born. And um, so in the days of Pishbur, there appeared a star, it says in the records. Both, uh, it, was, it was a beautiful, glorious star. And um, it, was, it was very, very different than other stars. And it, it says it looked terrible and grand in its glorious extent of its light. And then it says it overpowered all the other stars that were in the heavens. And so when the king saw this, and the Persians saw this, they were alarmed. And they were afraid. This star was so terrifying, it made them afraid. Okay, more on that later. I promise you, you're going to be excited about these things. Okay? It's incredible. The things that the Lord is really helping me put together. I'm not doing this by myself. I mean, the Lord is helping me put these things together. And as I do my research and things, he's bringing other things into focus so i give him all the praise and the glory i give jesus all the praise and the glory i give yeshua all the praise and the glory so these persians they were agitated and trembling and they become afraid they became very afraid and so this star apparently was visible in that part of the world and uh, the persians knew that this was what Balaam had foretold. And um, when, this, when this event happened, the king of Persia uh, basically made a decree that he was going to, uh, that he was preparing um, offerings, okay, and gifts and presents, and he was sending them by the hands of the Magi, the worshippers of fire. Now, the king did not know where Messiah was born, but he said, he told the, the Magi, keep going towards the star and walking on the road which it runs before you by day and by night, observing its light. So, <laughs> when this wise man set forth from the Persia, from the kingdom of Persia, the star also went with them, and he went before them, and he accompanied them, and uh, everywhere they went, and the places that they stopped, they passed by uh, a lot of towns. Um, they 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 camped, if you will, outside the cities, not inside, until they reached the gates of Jerusalem. When they reached the gates of Jerusalem, the star stood still. And uh, when that happened, it also alarmed Jerusalem and its inhabitants, this writing say. And it terrified also the kings and the priests there. So when they entered the gates of Jerusalem, it was concealed from them. When the Magi saw that neither the kings nor the priests nor the chiefs of the people perceived the coming of the Messiah, in other words, they were not aware the Messiah was, was born. When they perceived this, and they perceived that the star was concealed to them, they couldn't see the star for some reason, 
they knew that because they were not able to see this and they were not perceiving the birth of Messiah, they were not worthy. They could not perceive the birth of the Son, and they were not worthy to behold the star. So when they saw that the star was hidden from the people there, they went forth by night. And at that very moment, you know, in other words, they left. Remember when they went there, the treachery in the scriptures that Herod told them, uh, we don't know anything about it. He sent for the scribes, and, and nobody knew. And uh, and then Herod told them, remember in the scripture says, when you find out, I am paraphrasing, when you find out where the, where he has been born, come back and tell us, so we can also come and worship him. So <clears throat> the Magi perceived that as treachery. They perceived there was treachery there. And at that very moment, it says, they left, and the star appeared unto them, and they went after it. And then it says that it stood still, the star stood still over the cave of, Jeru of, of Bethlehem, where the Messiah was born. And at that time, they opened their treasures and offered unto him the presents and the gifts of offerings, bowing down in adoration before the Messiah, that their offerings might be accepted and that they might be delivered from the hateful treachery which they had seen in Jerusalem and might reach their own country without fear <clears throat> and might carry back word to those who had sent them and what they had seen and heard. Now, as I'm sharing this to you and with you, the thought comes to me, a couple of thoughts come to me, and that is, and I have said this before, <laughs> the people that were supposed to be his people, the people of God, right? Listen carefully, because this is going to, know, I know many of you are going to reject this, and many of you are going to poo-poo it, and many of you are going to write me and say, oh, how dare you, go, blah, blah, blah. I, listen, don't even bother, Okay? Don't even bother. Okay? Just take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to share what I have been given to share, and that's it. I really don't care about what anybody out there thinks. Okay? I'm only doing this to please the Lord, and to, I'm sharing it with you. So, <clears throat> when this happens, and I read this, and I started praying and considering this, Couple of things, a couple of things came to me. How come that the Almighty did not reveal this to those people? Those people that were supposed to be his people. How come that he was hidden from them? How come that, <laughs> you know, they were supposed to be his people. They were supposed to be the ones he was coming to. He, his people, Israel, right? The Jews. How come he didn't show it to them? Well, <clears throat> in this text, it tells you the, what the Magi thought. And that, to me, is really, really something incredible. He said they were not worthy. They were not worthy. They were not worthy. They were not worthy to be shown that the Messiah was born. They were not worthy to uh, be shown the star and follow the star to where the Messiah was born. They were not worthy. And so <clears throat> when you look at the word worthy, the definition of the word worthy it's really interesting. It's really interesting uh, what it what it uh, what it means. Uh, you know, the word "worthy," according to the Tesaurus, okay, it means someone that is decent, someone that is deserving, someone that is honest, 
someone that is reliable, noble, someone that is trustworthy, someone that is worth worth it. Okay? Now, the opposite, the antonym of worthy, which is what the Magi said they were, they were not worthy. Listen to this. The antonyms for the word worthy, which is not worthy, is bad, deceptive, dishonest, evil, false, fraudulent, hateful, unreliable, untrustworthy, worthless, immoral, sinful, vile, dishonorable, this unrespected, <laughs> and of course, unworthy. Now, do you see, are you beginning to get an idea of what went on there? When Jesus Christ Yeshua came, well, the book of John said clearly, he came to his own, and his own received him not. But to them that received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. So, he came to his own that were supposed to be his people. That's what it means. He came to his own, to his own people, the ones that had been, he had been preparing, right, for so long for this moment. And they wouldn't even, they had no clue, they had no idea that he had been born. There was no one in town. There was no prophet. There was no seer. There was no scribe, no Pharisee, no one had a clue that the Messiah had been born. <clears throat> and they had no clue about the star. They, they, they couldn't see the star. They had no clue about the star. So then you begin to connect the dots, and you begin to realize when Jesus grew up, when he became a man, right, and, I mean, the things that he must have gone through, we're going to go through some of those things when he was growing up. We're going we're gonna to share those things. I know, I know it's going to be very interesting, at least to me, maybe to some of you out there. But um, the Magi, the Persians, okay, these Persians, apparently the Lord so fit to show it to them. Why? I mean, I think about these things, okay? I use my brain. I think. I think about this thing. Why did the Messiah, why did the Almighty show these Magi, which, by the way, were considered like seers, like, like astrologers, wise men? If we are going to use the concept from the Word of God today, those people are really not the most desirable bunch on the earth, right? Because they believe all these things, right? And yet, the Lord, the Almighty, must have, must have seen something honorable in these people that he showed himself to them. He revealed to them where he was, where he was born so that they would go and, you know, Visit him. And, of course, they carried gold and, and many of these precious jewels and uh, other things that also subsidized uh, all the things that Mary and Joseph needed to do because they had to remember, they had to run and hide away from Herod, who wanted to kill the child. When he heard that he had been born, he wanted to kill them. So he calculated more or less the time that Jesus Christ Yeshua must have been born, and he, he kind of uh, came to the number two. He must be two years old by now. So that's, that's where the two-year-old children being killed and below came from. 
And so when they gave their offerings, when the Magi gave their offerings and passed the night there, it says in the, in the, in the writings, they spent the night there. The star also stopped there over them above the cave. And then the next day, they rose up early in the morning and set out for their country, Persia. And uh, they went out a different way than they had come. And the star led them through that other path. It's incredible. (laughs) And until they had entered their city, where they came from, the star was with them. It's incredible. It's incredible, people. I'm telling you, this was incredible. It's incredible. And when they had entered into the presence of the king who had sent them, they told him all they had heard and seen. And these things, too, were written down there in inner Persia and were stored up among the records of the deeds of the kings where was written and stored up the, the history of the legions of the Hittites or the Chittites and the account of this star that they might be preserved were, were, were preserved where, where, the, where the histories of the ancients were preserved. <coughs> Incredible, huh? Now, one of the things that one of the things that uh, also comes to mind when we when we read this and we talk about these things is the fact that um, Balaam, remember King Balak offered Balaam money to utter the curses over the Jews. Remember that, but he could not curse them because God had blessed them. And then remember there was an angel that that hindered barred Balaam's uh, path when his donkey tried to stop him from going to curse the Israelites. <clears throat> and in spite of being paid to curse the Jews, <clears throat> Balaam could not could only pronounce blessings over them. And uh, so this is, uh, this has been found in many catacombs, this prophecy of Balaam has been found in many, many places. I am, I'm going to share some of the pictures in the newsletter of that and uh, of the Star of Bethlehem. And Bible scholars have for a long time speculated about the Star of Bethlehem. What was it? What was that? Was it a conjunction of the moon and Jupiter and Aries or that happened in April 6 B.C.? <clears throat> was it an astronomical phenomena, or was it something else? More on that later. Now, in the Dead Sea, in the Dead sea Scrolls, when they were discovered, Balaam's prophecy is one of the most frequently quoted messianic tests. And here's the other thing that I that I'm going to uh, that I'm going to mention that I, I thought about it and it really it, I pondered on it. Isn't it really interesting <clears throat> that the Almighty, the Creator, would use Balaam, a sinful prophet, not only to give the prophecy concerning the birth of Jesus, but also about the star that the wise man from the east would follow in order to find the newborn king and worship him. Listen, folks, there is no record, none, zero, zilch. There's no record of anyone else noticing or following the star but the wise man from the east. And it is also interesting that these wise men, or Magi, they were considered, like I said before, uh, priests, interpreters of signs. 
people that have supernatural knowledge, abilities, a magician. Some would consider them astrologers. And they probably know or knew about the Jewish prophecy from Balaam because of the time that the Jews spent in Babylon during captivity, right? So <clears throat> when Mary and Joseph saw the treachery of King Herod and the envy of the scribes and the Pharisees, they rose and took the child and went to a foreign country. This writing says of a barber's tongue. Now, later in the scripture, we read that it was Egypt, that the Almighty, through an angel, told him to go to Egypt. Remember? And it says where they dwell for four years, during which Herod continued to reign after their flight. Now, it says in these writings that Joseph, Mary, okay, that at, at, the, at the commencement of the reign of Herod's son, okay, the son of Herod, this is not Herod, the son of Herod, when he started reigning, Joseph, Mary, and the Lord Jesus Christ, Yeshua, along with them, and then he says, listen to this, hold on to your chairs, and the five sons of Hannah, the first wife of Joseph, arose and went up from that land to the country of Galilee. What did you just say, Augusta? <laughs> I said what is written here in the writings of Eusebius of Caesarea, that when, when they departed, uh, when 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 Herod's son began to reign, that's when they uh, that's when they came back right from from per uh, from uh, from Egypt. Uh, Joseph, Mary, our Lord Jesus Christ, and the five sons of Hannah, the first wife of Joseph. Now let me share about that because this is where this is i mean this is really uh, it it's going to fill in a lot of gaps in the word of god folks it's going to make a lot of sense to a lot of things okay just like when we read when we read the book of enoch it did not contradict the word of god in any way and it complemented and it filled in a lot of gaps that were not written in the bible or maybe they were written in the Bible and 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 taken out by you know who. Anyways, there is no record in the New Testament of Joseph's life prior to his being mentioned in the Bible as Mary's husband. But according to this newly discovered material from the Dead Sea uh, scrolls. It appears that Joseph had a prior wife and children. And I'm going to share with that with you in a moment, how that all came about. I mean, uh, what, what's that all about? And so this new information does not contradict in any way God's word. It does not contradict God's word, but it helps us to understand things a little better. And so... Praise God. Now, now there's also another uh, another narration, another uh, another document, if if you want to call it that, which is called the Protoevangelion of James, which is the um, is the James the Lesser, the cousin and brother of our Lord Jesus the chief apostle and the first bishop of the Christians in Jerusalem. He was the, the, the apostle of the Jerusalem church. And so this, uh, some of these things I'm going to share now are also ascribed to him. And, um, and uh, many, and for those of you that say, no, I don't believe that, I goes, so listen to me. Please listen. Before you judge, listen. These writings like this gospel ascribed to James, the lesser, um, 
the ancient fathers, okay, the apostolic fathers, quoted, quoted them frequently. And the things that they shared indicate that it had obtained a very good credibility in the Christian world back then. So I'm talking about, um, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, uh, James the Lesser, Eusebius of Caesarea, Epiphanius, Chrysostom, Cyril, Euthymius, Ocumenius, and all the Latin fathers, okay, back in those days. And um, and so many, many of their opinions are founded, uh, and they believe in the authenticity of this material, of this, uh, uh, if you will, scroll. But back then there were no books in the scroll. And uh, it was supposed to have been originally uh, composed in Hebrew. Now, uh, also there's a note that it was publicly read as, as a canon in the Eastern churches back then, making it no doubt that James was the author of it. And so it is considered it is considered an apocryphal uh, book or text by some of the most learned people in the Protestant and Catholic churches. Now, <clears throat> when we read some of these things, okay, it, we we understand, okay, some of the things of uh, you know some of the origins where Mary came comes from and this is very important to understand folks because there's going to come people in the in the in the very near future talking about the fact that Jesus was a normal man he was a mere man that he was not uh, you know divine and uh, all of these things and we need to understand these truths we need to know these things folks we need to know these things now This was around uh, the time, okay, the 13th or the 14th century. Uh, I, I think, uh, no, 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 I scratched that. Take that back, okay. All right. There was this, this man named Joachim. He was a rich man, okay. He had a lot of offerings, brought a lot of offerings to the Lord, and uh he was he, he was a, somewhat like Cornelius in the New Testament in the Book of Acts, okay. But uh, he was a very I mean this man was a believer, not like Cornelius who was not a believer. This man was a believer, and uh, but he was very wealthy and you know he was uh, there. He was a part of the twelve tribes of Israel, and his name was Joachim, and. Uh, he made a resolution that his substance was going to be used for the benefit of God's people. And uh, that I may find, he said that I may find mercy from the Lord and forgiveness of my sins. And so um, at a certain feast, when the children of Israel came to offer their gifts, and Joachim also came and offered his, his, uh, his there was a high priest named Reuben, that opposed him, saying that it is not lawful for you to offer any gifts, seeing that you have not begotten any. In other words, you have no child. You are, you are childless. And so uh, when Joachim uh, heard this, he was concerned and went away, and he started going over the registries, the, the, the registries of the 12 tribes to see if he was the only person that had not had children and so he found out that in fact all the other tribes had had raised up children in Israel seed and so uh, and so he went and had, you know basically went to the Lord and to him and say how Abraham okay 
how he had given a child to Abraham, and uh, you know, and he retired to the wilderness, and he really went into a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, and a lot of fasting. It says that he fasted forty days and forty nights, and he said, "I will not go down to either drink or eat until the Lord my God looks upon me, my prayer, and answers my prayer." Basically, that's what he said. Now, the the wife of Joachim, this man was Anna, and now Anna, she, according to the to the writing, she was very distraught, and uh, also she knew she drew near because she was barren; she could not bear children, and so she also went to pray to the Lord, <clears throat> and she basically um, said, "Oh God of my fathers, bless me and regard my prayer as you did bless the womb of Sarah and gave her a son, Isaac." <clears throat> and so she continued in this uh, condition, you know, uh, c- considering her barrenness for a, for, for a while, until an angel appeared to her and told her that she would conceive. And uh, he, the angel told her, Anna, the Lord has heard your prayer. You shall conceive and bring forth, and your progeny shall be spoken of in all the world. And then Anna answered and said, As the Lord my God lives, whether I bring forth male or female, I will devote it to the Lord my God, and shall minister, and uh, the child shall minister to him in holy things during its whole life. And then appeared two angels to her, to have behold, uh, behold Joachim, your husband, is coming with his shepherds. And the angel, for an angel of the Lord has also come to him and said, The Lord has heard your prayer. Make haste and go hence, for behold, Anna, your wife, shall conceive. Anyway, she was ecstatic over that. Joachim, uh, I mean, uh, and her were just happy about that. I mean, the incredible uh, news from the angel of the Lord. And so... um, After that, he says that uh, that Anna and uh, Joachim had a child. Okay, I am kind of summarizing here because otherwise it would be too long. And um, and then um, when she was nine months old, Anna. She brought forth and said to the midwife, What have I brought forth? And she told her, A girl. Then Anna said, The Lord has this day magnified my soul, and she laid her in bed. And when the days of her purification were accomplished, she gave suck to the child and called her name Mary. And so Mary, it says, and the child increased in strength every day so that when she was nine months old, her mother put her on the ground to try to see if she could stand. Uh, and when she had walked nine steps, she came again to her mother's lap. And then the mother caught her up and said, as the Lord my God lives, you shall now walk again on this earth until I bring you into the temple of the Lord. And um, and so she made a chamber, she made her chamber a holy place and allowed nothing uncommon or unclean to come near her, near Mary, and invited on certain undefiled daughters of Israel that they drew her aside. And uh, anyway, and so we're going to skip ahead when the child was when Mary was 3 years old Joachim said let us invite the daughters of the Hebrews who are undefiled and let them take each a lamp and let them be lit that the child may not turn back again and her mind be set uh in the temple of the Lord and so when they did this 
and they ascended into the temple, the high priest received her, blessed her, and said, Mary, the Lord God has magnified your name to all generations and to the very end of time. By, uh, by thee will the Lord show his redemption to the children of Israel. This was told by the, you know, prophesied to her and blessed her. It was a blessing from the high priest. And he placed her upon the third step of the altar, and the Lord gave unto her grace, and she danced with her feet, and all the house of Israel loved her. <coughs> now, Mary then fed, she was fed in the temple by angels. And when she was 12 years old, the priest consulted what to do with her. Let me read a little bit here. He says, and her parents went away filled with wonder and praising God because the girl did not return back to them. She was in the temple. But Mary continued in the temple as a dove educated there and received her food from the hand of an angel. And when she was 12 years of age, the priests met in a council and said, behold, Mary is 12 years of age. What shall we do with her? For fear lest the holy place of the Lord our God should be defiled. So the, the priests, okay, said to Zacharias, the high priest, do you stand at the altar of the Lord and enter into the holy place and make petitions concerning her and whatsoever the Lord manifests unto you, that do. And so when he was doing that, when the high priest entered the Holy of Holies and was, uh, was you know, uh, uh, there, in his prayers concerning Mary, he says, Behold, the angel of the Lord came to him and said, Zacharias, Zacharias, go forth and call together all the widowers among the people and let every one of them bring his rod. And he by whom the Lord shall show a sign shall be the husband of Mary. And the criers went out through all Judea and the trumpet of the Lord sounded and all the men ran and met together. And Joseph also, throwing away the hatchet, went out to meet them. And when they were met, they went to the high priest, taking every man his rod. After the high priest had received the rods, he went to the temple to pray. When he finished prayer, he took the rods and went forth and distributed them. And there was no miracle attended them. The last rod was taken by Joseph. And behold, a dove proceeded out of the rod and flew upon the head of Joseph. And the high priest said, Joseph, thou art the person chosen to take the virgin of the Lord to keep her for him. But Joseph refused, saying, I am an old man and have children, but she is young, and I fear lest I should appear ridiculous in Israel. And then the high priest replied, Joseph, fear the Lord your God, and remember how God dealt with Dathan, Korah, and Abiram, how the earth opened and swallowed them up because of their contradiction. Therefore, Joseph, fear God, lest like things should happen unto you and your family. So Joseph, Joseph became afraid and took her into, her, into his house, and Joseph said to Mary, Behold, I have taken thee from the temple of the Lord, and now I will leave you in my house, and I must go to mine my trade of building. The Lord be with thee. Okay? So <clears throat> Joseph went to work. He was a carpenter, remember? And so he went away, <clears throat> and during that time, that is when uh, Mary took a pot and went out to draw water and heard a voice said unto her, Hail thou who art full of grace, I the Lord am with thee. Thou art blessed among women. And uh, he looked around, she looked around to the right and left to see where the voice came from. And then trembling went into her house and laying down the water pot, she took the purple and sat down in her seat to work. In other words, a weaving. She was weaving, uh, making something. 
And behold, the angel of the Lord stood by her and said, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor in the sight of God. Which when she heard, she reasoned with herself that this sort of salutation, what that sort of salutation meant. Then the angel said unto her, The Lord is with thee, and you shall conceive. To which she replied, What? Shall I conceive by the living God and bring forth all other women do? But the angel returned the answer and said, Not so, Mary, but the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Wherefore, that which shall be born of thee shall be holy, and shall be called the Son of the living God. And you shall call his name Jesus, Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this now is the sixth month with her who has called barren, who was called barren, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And so that's when the, she went to visit Elizabeth, you know, like the Bible tells us that account as well. And in this particular uh, writings, let me read it to you. It says, when, when Elizabeth heard, she ran and opened to her and, and blessed her and said, Whence is thee to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? For lo, as soon as the voice of your salutation reached my ears, that which is in me leaped and blessed thee. But Mary, being ignorant of all those mysterious things which the archangel Gabriel spoken to her, lifted up her eyes to heaven and said, Lord, what am I that all the generations of the earth shall call me blessed? But perceiving herself daily to grow big and being afraid, she went home and hid herself from the children of Israel and was 14 years old when all these things happened. I'm going to stop there and uh, because our time is up. And uh, we will continue this next week, Lord willing. I pray and trust that you are enjoying this and it has been a blessing to you. This is Augusto Perez. Until next time, God bless you and shalom.